It's time! Drew Doherty and John Harris have their white coats and their goggles on, and they're ready to talk Texans in a different sort of way. Let's go in the lab. Yes, indeedy. It's that time. That time of the week. It's Tuesday, so we're going in the lab. It's me, Drew Doherty, and my good pal, John Harris. John, happy belated Easter, happy Tuesday, and happy Top Ten Day. How are you? I'm well, man. How you doing? I'm good. We have an interesting topic today because we are ranking the top ten Oilers and Texans. Combined. Combined. So basically the top ten professional players in Houston history. Not guys that are from the area that went on and starred with the Rams and the Colts like Eric Dickerson. Guys who played here. Ooh, guys who flourished here. With a caveat. You were born in 1972. I was born in 1977. Our consciousness of the Oilers is kind right. of the Love You Blue and beyond. Right. I really didn't see much Love You Blue, but I know enough about it because right, I right. was, you know, a little guy when that stuff was going on. You saw some Love You Blue. Yep. So we're sta- basically going Love You Blue era through the current day. So that rules out guys like George Blanda. And, and people are upset about that. That's on me because I've always had these debates with people. Well, how can you say it's the greatest ever if you've never never seen him play? Well, look, we've all seen these guys play with yep. the little grainy, you know, you know, black and white films and all that kind of stuff. But we didn't get to see them play. We we weren't you know alive right. to watch George Blanda and Charlie Hannigan and those kind of <laughs> players. What was that, John? Did you see that? That was fantastic. What? In the- I, don't, I don't know, but that was really cool. It's like whew, it's like I mentioned Charlie Hannigan. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. maybe, but, but the point being, and 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 so, because I, I'd like to fancy myself a historian. Like I've seen all these guys play. I know all all of them, but it just makes more sense the guys that I actually watched play or remember yeah. watching, uh, having watched play. So that's, that's not so it's more that's George more on Blanda. me than anybody else because you started to plan this with George Bland. And I was like and Billy Cannon, and I was like this. Let's just focus on kind of our. Lifetime period. There's a guy named Jim Norton whose number is retired by the Oilers. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard of him until now, and I looked him up. He had 45 career interceptions in the yeah. 60s. He was also a punter. He led the league in punting in various categories. No, no, uh, no slight to Jim Norton, but he's not making this list. We're we're going with Love You Blue through the current day, and there are going to be some Texans that make this out. Yeah. All right. Before we get going, don't forget to subscribe to In the Lab on iTunes, TuneIn, or Stitcher. Please leave us a review. We want to get better. We want you to love us, and we want you to listen most of all. Please subscribe on iTunes. Let's start at the very tippy top because I think it's easier that way, and I know it's not as climactic that way, but you know what? We're here for you, okay, gentle listener. We're here to, to hash this out. So the greatest player to ever suit up in a Houston professional uniform, is it Earl Campbell? That's why I've written down. Okay. Just one word, Earl yeah, the I only, think it's Earl. The only guy that I would argue that could take that spot is Bruce Matthews. Interesting. Because of the greatness, mm-hmm. the longevity, and the versatility. Pro Bowler at all five spots on the offensive line. Played for a long time into Tennessee. Okay. But I think for, for pure greatness and impact on the city yes. and impact on the team, yes. you got to go with the Tyler Rose because the, te- the Oilers traded – up to get him, mm-hmm. they got him, and he was instantaneously rookie of the year, MVP. Had him, had maybe the two greatest Houston professional football teams 
ever. No slight to the the, the champions of 60 and 61, but we just didn't know those guys. Greatest football teams in our lifetime, man. Okay, I agree with you on Earl because I have Earl written down. Yeah. I, I have no I have no qualms with that. Now, you mentioned Bruce Matthews. Yes. And the other day, Bruce was my pick. That was the first pick if we were going to add an order, an, a former order to this Texan roster. I picked Bruce Matthews. I think he's one of the most versatile linemen we've ever seen. I think he's one of the most technique-worthy linemen we've ever seen. He was just steady and ended up going to the Hall of Fame. I, as crazy as this might sound, I would make a case for for number two being Warren Moon. Okay. Position he played. Now, obviously, quarterbacks are judged a little different than uh, than offensive linemen, but I feel like Warren Moon never gets his just due for what he was able to do for this city because when he came here from Edmonton, this organization People were wearing was paper bags on their heads garbage. and stands. People I, were... I moved here in 83 yeah. when Warren had come here. And it was... I mean, I was thrilled by the fact that I could go watch football in the side. That was weird to me, but I was like, whoa, this is cool. You couldn't watch it on TV, though. You but know why? Was, yeah, because would go. in between Love You Blue mm-hmm. and the playoff years, the run-and-shoot years right, that Glanville run got yeah. here, there were so many games. The Texans didn't sell out, so yep. they, didn't, they weren't on TV that Sunday. And that, you know what? I didn't see a lot of Oilers games when I was kind of coming into – I was born in 77, yep. so 7, 8, that's what I'm starting to watch. I like the Bears, man, because they were – you know, they had Walter Payton. Mm-hmm. They had William the Refrigerator Perry. They were winning the Super Bowl. That's They were on TV every single Sunday. Yep. Oilers weren't on, on every Sunday. It was road games and every once in a while home games. I can make a case for Warren Moon. Okay. I could also make a case, as crazy as it sounds – for J.J. Watt. Yep. And number two, you're talking about three-time defensive player of the year. I know that's in a short amount of span. Or like hasn't been healthy the last couple of years. But I think he was better than anybody else at their at his position. Not, not even close. I mean, he was he was better than Tom Brady close. was in comparison to all the other quarterbacks. He was the best defensive. And the impact he's had on the city in a lot of different ways. I could, I could argue Warren Moon or J.J. Watt before Bruce Matthews because I, I do believe that J.J. – I, JJ's going to the Hall of Fame. I think if he's got maybe not another 2014 in him, mm-hmm. but if he's got a 2015, I know he's hurt at the end, but if he has another year like that after being hurt for a couple of years, mm-hmm. I think he's already going to Canton. Uh, I don't want to say that's a fait accompli, but I think another year like that, and you can you can sign it up. So to me, he's going to the Hall of Fame. So if the measurement was like, well, one's in the Hall of Fame, one's not, I, I don't know that I would I would go that that direction. But I can make a case for Warren Moon, J.J. Watt being number two on that list. Okay. And then debating whether Bruce ends up being third next to a guy that we like to call the GOAT, Andre Johnson. Okay, I just want to I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you there most of the way. Listen to me here though. Okay, he started in nineteen eighty three, did Bruce Matthews played he started fifteen games that year, played in all sixteen. So nineteen eighty three through 2001, mm-hmm. when he started all 16 games yep. at both center and left guard, okay, he was a Pro Bowler in 01 as well. And in 2000, 99, and 98, he was first team you. all pro. I hear and then you. he was first team all pro in 92, and 90, you. 89, and 88. And let's let's go year by year, just very quickly. Mm-hmm. Right guard as a rookie, center and right tackle his second year, right tackle his third year. Left tackle in 86, right guard, right guard, right guard, right guard from 87 through 90, and then 91 through 94, he was a center. 
95 through 98, left guard. 99, center, left guard, and right guard. 2000, guard, left guard. Center and left guard his final year. So he played all five spots on the line, and he was an all-pro for seven years. I I just – because of the longevity, too. I'll give you that on the longevity. All right, you and the versatility. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I want to go Matthews at two. That's fine. And then I want to put J.J. in there at three. Okay. Because J.J. was better than any – I mean, it wasn't even close, like, how much better he was at his job than any other position on the field when he was playing, you know? And the only thing dinging him and keeping him out of the two spot, I think, and the one spot was just the – it's been four great years. I mean, if I were if I were doing my list, I I probably – I probably put Watt in front of Bruce, but I think if it's Bruce at two and Watt at three, then does that put Moon at four? I think it puts Moon at four. Okay. And then to me, now now it well now it gets murky. I think now it gets now it gets a little bit there. I think I would put Andre Johnson at five. That's what I was going to say. I think there have been some really good receivers in this town. Well, there's Drew Hill, Ernest Givens. Uh, make your case for any of those guys. Kenny Burrow. None like him, though. None like him. I, I just think Andre, coming into a situation where you're still talking about a, you know, expansion franchise, and he comes in and he does the things that he did, and he did it with quarterbacks that were not Warren Moon, uh, that weren't even Dan Pastorini for the most part. Yep. So I, I think I would put Andre Johnson at five, uh-huh. and I'd feel really good about that. Those, those are the five. Those are the five names I had written down. Like, okay, I think these are the five best. Yep. And then at that point, it gets, it gets, it gets really, it gets really tough. And I see the name you just pulled up, and that's one that I have, I think, coming right after Andre Johnson. Mike Munchak uh, makes a lot of sense, yeah. but can I interest you in some Hall of Famers in Brazil, Culp or Bethe? Because I think they got to be in the conversation. Yeah, I think they do have to be in the conversation, but I think. But Munchak, it seems well, like the logical. Well, here's well, here's the other one. Do you put Kenny Houston in front of those guys? Because Kenny yeah. Houston, doing a safety and corner over his career, he was kind of before our era, though. Yeah, I mean, that's we, true. we recognize. I think we recognize how great he is just because he's that's around us and we see him a lot. But no, he, you're right. He's before. He's he, before the era we're talking about. I so. kind of ruled him out. I think Munchak is six. Okay. Okay. I think I think you can interest me. In those players. So the choice becomes, not that it's dealer's choice at that point, but I do think with Brazil, Culp, and Bethea, even though Brazil went in the latest, I feel like his impact was felt more than the other two. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'm leaving that one. I'll leave that one up to you. He was going to be the guy I kind of – he was He was kind of the, the natural one because of what he did, because of how innovative he was, how disruptive he was. Yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. that's, that's what I was going to do. And he's got a – Badass nickname. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Doom. So he's number seven. Eight, nine, ten. Are we leaving out? Are we leaving out Arian Foster? Are we leaving out Dwayne Brown? Because well, I have I have both written down. I, I I think it's hard to say when you're talking about Hall of Famers. Exactly, because they're not a they're not Hall of, I don't I don't think Arian Foster's gonna get in the Hall of No, Famers. I don't think he is. Dwayne, Dwayne Brown Dwayne is boy, it's gonna be tough. I I think he's gonna end up being the hall of the very good, yeah. even though I mean, I th- I think he gotten a little bit more recognition earlier, 
than as he should have. He should have gotten recognition in 2010. He should have gotten recognition and in, in, in even more maybe in 2011 than he got. But I, 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 if I've got to go make a case for him, at, at the, and it would be John McClain, I would imagine. Yeah. But if you've got to go make a case for him, I think you can make a good case. I just think people I, are going to say, eh, you know, I think there are others that I feel a little bit better about at that position. So I don't want it to be such that the Hall of Fame is the only, you know, uh, yeah, is the, the, determining all, the sole factor, determining but, factor. Because I do think, I think if you put Colt and Bethea, because they have gone to the Hall of Fame and they did, they did it here. Now all of a sudden the competition for number ten gets very, very interesting. You're talking about Arian. You're talking about Dwayne. Ray Childress has not been. You're mentioned talking yet. about Ray Childress. Uh, you know Haywood. You know any of the any great receivers mm-hmm. that were of that time period. Um, you know, guy. You know, even a guy like William Fuller, who was f- phenomenal uh, during his career. I, you know, it, it's crazy as it sounds. Even though I, I don't think, he, and I'm almost, I would say I'm almost positive he's not going to the Hall of Fame. I just think the career was shortened. Mm-hmm. I always can make a case for Arian more than I could make one for anybody else. He was going to be my choice because of the ten, eleven. 12 run that we saw from him. Mm-hmm. And then you sprinkle in 14. Yep. Those four years, I mean, we were really spoiled as Houston fans, as Houston Texans fans, because we've seen since it's it's tough getting yards on the ground in comparison to what we had with, with Arian Foster. Yeah. That guy was a touchdown machine. Basically, from when he started in late 09 mm-hmm. through, oh, all of 2012, you could count on a touchdown a game from Arian Foster. Yep. There were only two or three guys in the league in that span that scored more, and one of them was Adrian Peterson. And, you know, really, Adrian, Arian might have been the other second second guy there. You know, yeah, you I could, think so. You could count on. I think so. And at, at some points in that span, he led the NFL in scoring, and that's, you know, as far as points per game, touchdowns per game, as far as, you know, non-kickers go. I think you could also make a case for Arian. Whenever... Whenever you can say that a guy was the best at something, mm-hmm. no matter what it is, you got to take it under consideration. I think, and and Arian came around when the zone blocking system obviously was was in vogue. Alex Gibbs running it. There aren't any, there aren't as many teams solely running zone blocking schemes anymore because there are different ways to defeat it. If that's the way you're going to do it, there are different things you can do off of it. But either way, point being, when the Broncos ran it in Denver, Trail Davis. Yep. When the Texans ran it here was Arian Foster. Yep. And you make a case for either one of them being the best zone blocking scheme running back you've ever seen. And I and I, I would almost make the case that Arian fit it better. I think Terrell Davis ran behind a better overall offensive line. Now the offensive line for the Texans was pretty good, but that Broncos offensive line was a was a different because was, was, a, was a step above. What, three different guys after uh Terrell Davis had yeah. Exactly. 11, 1,200-yard seasons. Right. Nobody's really done it since, since Arian. For Aaron. Well, you know, exactly. Lamar Miller had the 1,000, um, but it was a different it's, Yeah, it's, it's a different kind. I mean, he, yeah. kind. Okay. I, I think Aaron Foster needs to be at, uh, at, at number, number 10. 10. Okay, let's go through him again. At number one, Chalk, Errol, Earl Campbell. We had, yes. we had the Tyler Rose there. Now, there was two and three, and now you got me thinking. We mean, you have, did write your list in pencil. We had Matthews, and it is in pencil, but we had Watt. 
And I'll I, tell you what. I'll tell you what. We need to revisit this list in a year, two years, five years, whatever yeah. the case might be. I just have a few. And, and here's the thing. We may take J.J. if he has another couple of years, like 14 and 15. Oh we may bump him up number one. Oh, that's not out of the question. I mean. Because you talk about it. Listen, if you talk about period of dominance for Earl, what year was Earl traded to the New Orleans Saints? Like 83, 84. Okay, so he came here in 78. Yep. He basically was 78 to 82. Roughly. You know, Earl's, Earl and J.J. have had very similar careers. Yes. And J.J.'s even gone a little longer, really. Yep. You know what? Let's flip it. I think for right. Watt, I think, let's go well, Watt 2. Let's go Watt 2. And I think Watt 2. Yeah, all right. Let's I think Watt 2. You got, it. you got it. And then Earl stays number one for right now. Right. And then I think another year or two from J.J. after the, the injuries, just solid years, double-digit sack years. And I think you're talking about Watt going to number one on the list. And we'll stay but, with Moon at four. I think those are the top three right now. Mm-hmm. 10, 12 years from now, we might put number four on that list, and that would be kind of nice. The beauty of this podcast. We're might still put around DeAndre Hopkins. Years. Might yeah. DeAndre Hopkins on the list at some point. Damn. Can you make a case for Hop yes. in front of Foster? Yes, you really can. I think you could, too. Let's think about number this. Number 10 at okay. 10. 14, 15, 16, 17. Uh, that's four years there. So 13. And 16, he did not get 1,000 yards. No, he was under 1,000. He had 800 as a rookie and like 900. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Let's, I think right let's tie now, him up. Let's put Foster and Hopkins together. I we can got see him. that. That's, that's, they're tied for 10. I think the one thing about – I think the one, the one thing that's going to stick in people's craw, I think, about Hop is 16, which is not fair. It's 2016 just because, well, yeah, 2016. I, doesn't stick but, in my – I think it's amazing. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't for me, but I think some people would say that when you're comparing Hopkins to Arian. I mean, if you look at Arian, to me, when he popped on the scene, 10, 11, 12. 12 those three years, you could argue that he was the best all-round back in the league, mm-hmm. w- without a doubt. I think you can make the argument for Hop in fifteen and seventeen that he was the best all-round receiver in the league. So yeah, we're probably right to tie them, but I think if Hop has another couple of years like he's had, then we need to start thinking about Hop moving up that list, okay. not just the number ten. Here we go. One is Campbell. Mm-hmm. Two is J.J. Watt. Yep. Three is Bruce Matthews. Four is Warren Moon. Five is Andre Johnson. Six Mike Munchak. Seven Robert Brazil. Eight Curly Culp. Nine Elvin Bethay. Mm-hmm. And a tie for tenth. We got Arian Foster and DeAndre Hopkins. I'm, I'm cool with that. Okay. Now, let's think about this from the from this standpoint. Obviously, no more Oilers. Yep. But Texans that you could see going on that list in the future. That we didn't name? That we didn't name. Deshaun oh, Watson. Yeah, for sure. For sure, Deshaun Watson. I mean, you're, that's what you're hoping. I mean, that's, that's well, You're hoping one, for all of them, but uh, yeah. Deshaun but that's Watson. the one that stands out. The other one to me is Jadeveon. Yep. Because I think if Clowney comes on having another another few years, you're talking about another couple of Pro Bowls more. You're that you know he he's got two and four years, and obviously that when he stayed healthy, he's gone to the Pro Bowl. Now he hasn't gone to the Pro Bowl; he's been voted to the Pro Bowl, I should say. But the he gets another two or three in the next three or four years. You're talking about a five six time Pro Bowler. That's I mean, a good. Those are good wild cards. Let me go even wilder. A wilder card. Tyron Matthew. Let's say he's uh, this is a renaissance here coming 
from Arizona yeah. to the Texans. He's he's playing behind this uh, this this fearsome front. He's getting more interceptions. He's mm-hmm. forcing more fumbles. Maybe he's got more freedom to maybe so yeah. You know, do what he wants to do. Not not what he wants to do. What he's po- capable of doing. And he recaptures some of that 2015. You know, puts a, it together for about four more years, five more years along those lines. You bring up an interesting point. You bring up an interesting point, and this is something that maybe we can tackle in a, in a later podcast. I'd like that. Oilers slash Texans that started a career one place, but then came here and dominated. Okay. Because there aren't many. There aren't many. Warren Moon would be one. You know, yeah, obviously started with Canada. Him. He started in Canada, eh? Uh, I'd love for it to be Tyre Matthew. I think that would be uh, that would be a good one. I think if he has four or five years, I think we go four or five tremendous years. I think we can think about him on that list. All on my own, I came up with this idea um, that that goes in line with what you just said, mm-hmm. and could go. He could. He could maybe be. Uh, Maybe be on this list. When Glad it comes you to thought about this. All Shane Leckler. Yeah. Shane Leckler. And I say all my own. I didn't. Jay McDevitt just came and wrote this on a notepad in front of me. Shane yeah, Leckler. Shane's a good one. Yeah. And his local boy, too. And his great fisher. And he started with the Raiders and then obviously came to the Texans. Might be, he might have a gold jacket someday. Yeah. I hope Tyra Matthews is that guy. Yeah. I hope he is that guy. Jonathan Joseph. J. Joe. J. Joe. If J. Joe has. I know we. You know, 2017 was not the greatest year for the secondary, and 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 for JJ, he would tell you it was the second half of the year was very very difficult. What if JJ has a tremendous 2018, where his run from 2011 to 2018? Oh, I think is phenomenal. I think if if his if you were to walk away from the game right now, you got to look at him as a the greatest free agent signing the Texans have ever made. Yeah, but B, you could look at him and you could make the argument that he's the best defensive player the Texans have ever had. I'm not. I'm just saying the argument. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying he is. Right. You could put him up there with Clowney, maybe with D'Amico Ryan's, maybe with uh, Cushing. Cush. Well, yeah. I think. He, yeah. I'd put him ahead of Cushing. Yeah. As far as impact, greatness. You stability. could definitely say it about the secondary. Yeah. yeah. I think about the secondary. You could say. He is, without a doubt, the best secondary player the yeah. Texans have, have ever had. I think you can make that case. There's, I, that, to me, is no question. I think the defensive player, I think Clowney, Clowney is moving in that direction. Totally. They're all obviously shooting at 99. I don't think there's any question about that. But um, but I think J.J. has a 2018, a solid 2018. I, I – you know, that's a guy that would answer – that would definitely answer my question, but I think you're right because I, I know a lot of people joke about free agency and they're like, ah, free agency, you know, they busted here, busted there, all that kind of stuff. But the Ninja was a good signing in 09. Awesome. was a great signing. Pro Bowler. And, uh, you know, bringing a J. Joe was an excellent signing. We can talk about that one at some point, free agent signings at some point. We hope that these all uh, – Aaron Colvin and Zach Fulton and Tyron Matthew, hopefully those guys – uh, are all ready to go when they show up here. But Tyra Matthew being on that list would make me very, very happy. John, you and I butted heads. I think the most stridently we've ever butted heads on one of these in the labs. But yeah. you know what? We, we worked it out it because out. this is America. We can disagree. Mm-hmm. And then, you know what? We came here. You won me over. And I'm going to go with uh, with number number two for 99. Well, All right. Is that good? I think it's good. Does that wrap this in the lab? If he has. Okay. Let me put it, let me put it this way. Uh-huh. What would J.J. have to do in 2018 when we reconvene in a year, uh-huh. for for us to put J.J. Watt at number one, what would he have to do? I would say 
break the sack record, twenty. so get 25. Oh, boy. And score four touchdowns. He'd be the MVP. Some way. Yeah. If, he's the, if he is the league MVP. If the Texans, Texans win If he ever becomes games, league MVP from this point forward, he goes to number one like that day. Yeah. Like, without a doubt. But he, I don't think it's going to happen, A, because he says it shouldn't. You know, he's he's always right, right. he's always stressed. It's a quarterback. You right. know, that, you know, it's that type of deal. He has the ball in his hand. He has more impact on but the game. But the guy at number yeah. one won it, didn't he? Mm-hmm. He sure did. So there's there's that. And that's why he's number, number one, one on our list. That's right. Earl Campbell, God bless you. Well, hey, thank you all for listening. We're going to be back next Tuesday with another In the Lab. John? Always- hey, don't we have to tell everybody to subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher and Twitch face and all that kind of stuff. Don't forget to subscribe to In the Lab on iTunes, TuneIn, or Stitcher. Please leave us a review. We want to get better. We want you to love us, and we want you to listen most of all. Please subscribe on iTunes.